Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. The full show is on SiriusXM Patriot every morning. Kicked off the show. Well, we talked with Trump's lawyer, Alina Alina Haba. Uh, So she's awesome. So we'll talk with her. We'll play that interview in just a little bit. We talked to the Attorney General of Virginia about the Virginia race that's going on today. A lot. That's a very, very important one. Uh, We talked about why there. And then we talked to Father Robert Sirico from the Acton Institute, who's always a pleasure to talk to. Uh, I want to start off here, though, with... The uh, Nashville Murderers Manifesto. I don't like the word manifesto, but gives them too much credence. But uh, there's some important life lessons already to be learned from just the three pages that were leaked out. We talk about that here. Murderers manifesto. I don't like to use the word shooter in situations like this. They're murderers. They're not shooters. They're murderers. Were you were, were you wanting to see this? Some people were desperate to see it. Some didn't want to. It's a tough balance when it comes to these mass murders. I never say their names. That's one thing. And I don't want to give these people attention, but it's a thing that happens, so you also have to cover it, right? Someone finally released, well, someone took pictures of three pages of some writings that she left behind. That's a better way to put it. I don't know if you call this a manifesto. I don't like the word manifesto either. That makes them too much of a mastermind. So these are three pages of some things she wrote. Someone took a picture of him, and at first I was like, well, you can't really, you know, who knows if this is really real. And then the Nashville Police Department has not denied that they're real and now has issued a statement saying they're investigating how they were released. And local Tennessee newspaper confirmed that they are, in fact, real. So we'll see if they now release the rest of it or not. So we are allowed to proceed on this as if they are, in fact, real. So I think the key of these three pages, uh, one writing says, kill those kids, those crackers. She's white, by the way, but those crackers going to f- private fancy schools with those fancy khakis and sports backpacks. I don't know what, sport, I don't know what sports backpacks mean. Does she mean Jan sport backpacks or does she mean sports backpacks like a... Like they have a baseball backpack. I don't know what that means exactly. With their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. F blank you, blank you, blank, blank. I want to kill all you little crackers. Bunch of little F words. Like meaning gay. With your white privilege. Blank you. like F word, you, other F word. She wrote a lot in this notebook about death day. This is a noteworthy moment. So she scheduled out her day. I don't know how common that is amongst these people. And she wrote at 12 12 o'clock, arrive at Covenant. It's the name of the school in Nashville. Check parking lot for security. Interesting. Remember the Pulse nightclub shooter? The gay nightclub? 
and turned into this whole anti-gay hate crime, and the guy had no idea it was a gay club. He went to downtown Disney first, but there was security there. He moved on. So what's going on here? So my first question is, do you want to see the rest of this thing? Do you think it's important to see, whether you want to see it or not? Like, oh, I can't wait to see it. I don't think anyone is that agile. But do you think it's important to be seen? Do you think it's important that this person's, this, this murderer's writings are released to the American people? That's the question, 866-95-PATRIOT. But I want to talk about what's going on here in this person's heart. Uh, I believe we quoted this before. Nietzsche, he wrote a book in 1887 called On the Genealogy of Morality. And he said, a word in the ear of the psychologists, assuming they're inclined to study resentment close up for once. Like if any, if any of you psychologists actually want to cover this topic, listen up. This plant of resentment thrives best among anarchists and anti-Semites. So it flowers like it always has, in secret, like a violet, but with a different scent. Yeah, we did. We quoted a couple weeks ago about the, with the anti-Semite part. Right? What, what fuels anti-Semitism? Well, part of it's resentment. Major part of it. I mean, it's, both, it's, it's that people hate God, and therefore people will hate God's people. That's the real root of it. But uh, it's, it's people have resentment. Stewing, fuming resentment. And it shows up as anti-Semitism, and it shows up as anarchists. And we are surrounded by more of this than you'd ever believe in your country. Resentment is the idea, and this woman has, this woman's an anarchist and a racist. Resentment is this idea that you've been wronged. You've been wronged. This woman was full of resentment. One of the problems with people who have resentment, like one of the problems with the rest of us, is their goal is to turn otherwise happy people into unhappy people like themselves. That's the first thing that they do with resentment is tear other people down with them. And this young person was full of it turned from God and fell into the queer trans cult. And her resentment spiraled and built up and grew and exploded into murdering innocent children. Spoiled children. See that? You spoiled oh, daddy's Mustang. That, that thing, right? What she did is the ultimate end of resentment. Now, can, resentment can boil over into a lot of harmful, harmful things. This is the worst of them. I'm going to go kill children. But there's many destructive ways. It's a horrible thing. Uh, resentment is what motivates people to destroy. You destroy things. If you're full of resentment, you destroy. That's what you do. It's all you do. You don't build. You don't, you don't build with resentment. You build out of gratitude. You destroy because of resentment. And she destroyed life. It was reported and then forgotten that while she was in this school in Nashville, there's a church next to the school or connected to the school. And she went inside the church and there was a stained glass window of Adam. And she shot 
the window seven times. She shot Adam. She shot an image of Adam. Do you see the symbolism there? So the, the, one of the things is this girl is a, boy, boy, a trans man. Or so she's pretending to be a man. Right? She could never, she wasn't, she was born a man. So living as a man now, right? So she had a, uh, there was a masculinity about her that she could never achieve in her desire to be a man. It wasn't really a desire to be a man as much as an uncomfortability with the self, but it wasn't even that as much as a hatred of God as God made her. So she went and took time to shoot at an image of the first man and then went and destroyed people made in the image of God. Isn't that amazing? So instead of living in God's grace, she chose rebellion and wrath and murder. That's what happened. So resentment is blaming someone else for, for something you think you deserve more. That's the technical definition of resentment. Blaming someone else for something you think you deserve more. And she thought she deserved happiness more than these spoiled rich kids. And again, it's just enmity with God. It's just you're moving further and further away from reality and that resentment builds up and you just hate. You hate people and it leads to destruction and some people it leads to murder. We all feel it, by the way. This is an important part of resentment. We all we all have it or have felt it before. And also, I should say, sometimes resentment is true. <laughs> I should note that. Uh, someone can have something that you deserve more. In fact, that's probably very true a lot of the time. Maybe someone stole a job opportunity from you, and, and you deserve that job more than they do. Why do they, why do they get it? Maybe someone has more money than you. Actually, someone definitely has more money than you. And they don't work as hard as you. Why do they have more money? Why do they have a bigger house? You know, interest rates are so funky right now that someone could be living in a house and be paying a $1,000 mortgage. And someone, and they, but they moved into the house you know, 10 years ago. And someone else moved into the house last month and they're paying a $6,000 mortgage. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why do they, why do they only pay $1,000? Or maybe there's someone, some uh, millionaire at the age of 30. 30? And they hit it big with some stupid, dumb pet rock product idea. What do you mean? I've been going to work every single day my entire life. I don't have a million dollars. And this guy got a million bucks for some stupid thing. He came. Everyone has resentment. Oh, you ready for this one? Oh, this is hard. This is a harsh one. But let's just be real here. This is real. I'm not, I'm not mocking anyone for having resentment. It's very real. Perhaps, I don't want to be so personal because this is, this, is, this is such a tender subject and understandably so. Perhaps you have trouble having children, but your friend has four kids and they don't even want it. They don't, they don't even care. Like they're not good parents and they don't, they're like, oh, pregnant again. Oh, it was, a, it was an accident. And you've been spending tens of thousands of dollars on fertility treatment. And they have kids and we don't. That's real. I'm not discounting that. 
as resentment is real. Does that make sense? So it's not only, it's not unfair or how does it, it's not someone inaccurately blaming someone else for something you think you do or, or hating someone else for something you think you do. It can be, it can be accurate. Like that person has something more or has something and I deserve it more. Like that's true. Perhaps. The question is, what do you do with it? And the opposite of resentment, which is not anything you ever want to have, the opposite is contentment. Because if you have resentment and you let it just eat away, it'll it'll kill you. It'll kill you. So you can either live a life of resentment or gratitude. And it doesn't matter. No external thing matters at all about it. We've all, perhaps you know someone who is more low income. They don't have a lot of money, but they're the most generous person you've ever met. They're generous and they're sacrificial and and they're, they're generous with their little amount of money they have, but also with their time. They're so generous with their time and they're hospitable and their love and they're always cheerful and joyful. And what is up with that person? And then we know people who seemingly have it all. They have tons of money, huge house, pool, the whole thing. Yet they're full of resentment because that guy next door has got a bigger house and they're miserable. So material, material things doesn't do anything with resentment. It has no effect at all. It's all the human heart. It came up yesterday. I forget how it came up. People are always focused on the brain. Forget about the brain. I'm so sick of the brain. People talking about this, this uh, murder and mental illness. I've really got to move past that. It's not, I mean, yes, the brain's screwed up, but it's the heart. It's all about the heart. The brain follows the heart. The brain follows the heart. Heart first. So when you feel resentment, you have to decide how you're going to respond. Are you going to let it rob you of all the joy in your life? Which leads to death? Whether you or perhaps even other people. And drags everyone else around you down. That's what resentment does. It's awful. Or... Be grateful and content. Literature is rich on this topic. Paradise Lost by Milton, which is a fantastic book. It's not that hard of a read. Uh, I gotta. There's, there's versions out there that have like a like a side by side companion to it, and I recommend that like a version like that. Don't be intimidated by this book. It's so good. It's written in like 1600s. Uh, it's amazing. It's about the fall of Satan. And then the fall of man. So the question was, why did Satan rebel against God? And Satan said, I disdained subjection. Like I didn't like being underneath God. And I thought one step higher would set me highest. And in a moment quit the debt immense of endless gratitude. So burdensome. Ugh, such a burden. Still paying, still to owe. Forgetful what from him I still received. So Satan hated being lower than God. He hated being subservient to him and his, uh, and his order and having to be grateful all the time. So he was full of pride. And he thought if I was just one step higher, if I could be higher than God, then I'd be happy. And I could stop with this burden of gratitude. Because it just never ends. Ugh, it's always still paying, still to owe. Oh, grateful, grateful, grateful. Oh. 
So he fought against God and was banished from heaven. And then it, it is the, this famous line, uh, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. And we all have to make that decision. That, that, that's the decision. That's it. Do you want to reign in hell? So you can be full of resentment and live your life like that. That, that you're living in hell, right? Your own, you made your own hell. Congratulations. You're in charge of it. How's it going? So you can reign in hell or you can serve in heaven. You can be full of gratitude. Now you're not in charge, but you have your gratitude. So you pick. C.S. Lewis, screw tape letters. You got to read screw tape letters. Must read. The goal of screw tape, a demon, is to keep uh, this man from becoming a Christian. And he told his nephew, uh, indeed, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So the idea here is just a, a subtle and gradual erosion of gratitude and virtue just to keep them off that righteous path. Just a little bit, a little bit here and there. Just don't, don't make a big deal about that road to hell. Just a little bit. Let that, let that bitterness simmer. Let it percolate. Add a little bit more here, a little more, a little more uh, anger. Ooh, add a little bit, of, not too much resentment, but just enough, just enough to let it grow and grow and then grow just so they don't notice it, right? Then it grows and grows. And then like 20 years later, you're full of it. And they didn't even notice. That's the safest road to hell. And it's, we see that in our culture all the time. It's just a, just a little, little bit here. A little bit. You don't want to push too far. You push too far and then people start to notice, you know? And then they, then they, they have to like rein it back in a little bit and then they push a little bit more. Be a little more subtle. This happens with the left all the time. They'll, they'll, like the, uh, there'll be stuff like um, Drag Queen Story Hour. Like they maybe pushed a little too hard on that, got a little too much attention. So they'll rein it back in a little, and they're not going to stop. They'll just be more secretive about it. Have you ever seen the video? There's a video of a Lady Gaga concert where someone comes up on stage and throws up all over her chest. And it's like, it's like part of the act. Just purposeful vomiting on top of Lady Gaga. Now, you may not have seen that video. It's out there if you want to see it. But she can't be that graphic all the time. Right? That, that's like, whoa. What do you, why? Let me turn off too many people. So it's like, uh, let's not do that. But let's, let's, you know, let's be more subtle about keeping people off the righteous path. And I'll give you one more. Uh, Dostoevsky, one of his books, The Devil Speaking. And he says, my, my best feelings, gratitude, for example, are formally forbidden solely because of my social position, says the devil. Can't, the devil can't be grateful. So this is why, by the way, education-wise, we need to teach these things to our kids. This is what school used to be. This, this is the point of school. You teach kid about, kids about God. You teach kids about the devil. Choose one. But instead, we have removed God. And we explicitly teach resentment. We call it privilege. That person has privilege. But the same thing, that's what it is. Like, seriously, we used to teach morality in such a way that we would teach kids to avoid resentment. And now we explicitly teach it. We call it privilege, but it's the same thing. That person has white privilege. That's what the mass, that's what the mass murderer wrote. Oh, those kids with their white privilege infected her heart. 
this Nashville, Nashville murderer. She, she took all this in. This is inundated, just constant, this privileged stuff. We're all drowning in it. And she decided to, to kill the privileged children because of it, which, again, is the ultimate end of this. Not everyone takes it to that length, but that is the ultimate end. She finished it. She finished the resentment. I'll end here with a clip of uh, the great Douglas Murray because I love Douglas Murray and he's fun to listen to. The era of deconstruction was the era that started, let's say, from the 60s onward and was originally an academic game that then spilled out into the wider culture, which was, let's take everything apart. Let's pull it all apart. Um, there are lots of problems with it. One is it's quite boring. Uh, you don't get an awful lot from it. Uh, you also have the problem of what children find when they try to do this with bicycles, which is they can take it apart quite easily, but they can't put it back together. Um, and the era of, of taking things apart as a game is one we've lived through, and it's been highly destructive. But you can do it for quite a long time. I'm going to look at this society and I'm going to take it apart by showing systemic problems. I'm going to, at the end of that, what have you got? What have you done? What have you achieved? We need to interrogate this. Okay, interrogate, by all means, ask questions, but interrogate as a deliberate hostility to this. I'm going to interrogate this thing and take it apart. And again, at the end of it, what have you got? Whether you're interrogating a text or a piece of music, or an idea, or a society, fine. Question, endlessly question, yes, interrogate. Assumes it's all um, a criminal in a cell, and it's guilty, and therefore it must be taken apart. And that's what we've been doing for decades in the West. We have a society full of resentment, and in that society, no one can build anything. All we can do is take apart. Haven't you ever wondered that we're we, we just not building things? We're just not, not creating like we used to. We're taking things apart. We're really good at that. Breitbart.com had a story the other day. Another one of these anti-oil activists, they went to some art museum was in London, and they tried to destroy a 17th century beautiful painting in this museum, and the painting's uh, covered in this thick glass because they kept throwing like soup at these paintings. So these people, they went at it with a hammer to try and break the glass and it's all the, like all the, all the, because they're against oil or whatever. All these people know how to do is destroy. Like that's such a perfect example of their heart. They just destroy. They could never paint a painting like this. Like, like, like these, the two people who did this and there's plenty of people that happens all the time. They, they, they can't do anything. They can't build. They can't create. They can't paint. It would take a lifetime of dedicated effort and skill and God-given talent to do something. They can't do it. So it's way easier to be full of resentment. They're full of resentment against what they don't have. Skill, talent, anything special about them at all. So they have resentment. They blame the world for it. And then because they're not grateful to God, there's no connection to God. So they have to attach themselves to a cause. And they chose to attach themselves to environmentalism. This murderer in Nashville chose to attach herself to um, uh, trans, transgenderism. But these environmentalists, they're, they're, they're now these, these, these activist environmentalists. And then they destroy things. And it's all done in the name of progress. 
Do you see how that works? Do you see it, right? Let me do it one more time. So they're so full of resentment. We teach this. We, we teach this in kids from a very young age. Be full of resentment. Privilege. Everyone's got privilege. Everyone has what you don't have. Class warfare. The rich and you're the poor. The, the owners and the workers. Right? It's all this stuff, right? So you're full of resentment from a very young age. Just imagine two kids. I always do this thought experiment. Take the same kid. Take the very same kid. Two parallel universes. And in one, you just you build this kid up with gratitude. With gratitude and joy. And, and just, right, constant. Like, oh, look how beautiful the sunrise is. It just, you're constantly like in awe at creation. And, and, all, and you're, you're not looking up at the people who have more than you, but you're looking down uh, to, to the people who have less than you so you can try to find ways to help them, right? So you, have, you do that to like, and then this other kid, you're like, oh, look at everyone else who's more than you. Oh, your life. Oh, you'll never, you'll never, you have no hope. You have no, right? It's like, oh my gosh. Like, and we're doing that. We're doing that second one. And just take that out, do that experiment for 20 years and see how different the same exact person is in these two tar- parallel universes, okay? So we're, we, our society has chosen the second path, just constant. So these people are like, oh, I, I can't do anything. I have no talents, so I blame the world for it. Because I have no connection to God, because God is gratitude, right? So I'm, there's no gratitude, so there's no God, so uh, I'm, I have to attach myself to something. And then I destroy things in the name of progress. And that's my life. Aren't I great? That's our society. And now some people kill. Some people break paintings. Some people just simmer and stew and, and are, say mean things online. Anonymously. That's, that's how some people manifest their uh, resentment. Some people do mean things to the people around them. Right? Some people are just destructive around them. Okay. Uh, some people break paintings. Some people topple statues. Some people murder children. But there's, there's tons of different outlets. Plenty of relationships ruined and lives destroyed because of this. Now, this is all, it seems very negative, this resentment thing. But we need to identify the enemy. That is the enemy. And the good news is the antidote is so simple. It may not be easy, but it's simple. It's gratitude. Gratitude is the is the solution to all this. You just this it just goes away. Like the resentment just was it's gone. It's unbelievable. Throw a little bit of gratitude in it, and all the resentment just just disappears. And that gratitude is right there for the taking. It's right there. Back to Breitbart News Daily. Trump's lawyer, I imagine, is pretty busy. But she gave us a couple minutes. Here she is. Alina Haba is here. She is Donald Trump's lawyer. Miss Haba, how are you today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Good. I got lots of questions here about the case and some things I want to ask you. But first, big picture question. What are you allowed to talk about as it relates to this case? And what are you <laughs> not allowed? I basically can't speak about the staff in the court. Okay. That's what I've been gagged. So I can't speak about that. So that's the law. No you know, people. Anything having to do with them. Yeah. Everything else, fair game. Okay. Who's the gag order on? The president, his lawyers, his agents, basically. His spokeswoman, me. <laughs> yeah. 
I want to I wanted to ask you if you think the judge is enjoying this a little too much, but I, I guess that's one of those things. You can't. <laughs> um, yeah, that. I do. I do. I think he enjoys it. I think he enjoys the pictures. I think he enjoys the limelight a little bit. I think that's clear from the fact that he allows photography in the courtroom, um, which is technically not allowed, and uh, takes pictures. You know, they take pictures of him and his clerk. You know, it, it, it is what it is. But yeah, there's a weird moment. Here we the, are. There, there's a weird moment when the camera was in there, and it the guy like dropped the camera. It was like out of a scene of like the office or arrested development or something. And the camera panned yeah. over to him <laughs> and he gave like this huge grin. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. That's weird. Yeah. Like the, like the OJ Simpson yeah. judge wouldn't have given like this big grin. No, no, it's not. There's nothing to joke about. You know, these people are trying to take away um, one of the most epic companies and iconic companies in New York. And they think this is just, you know, politics, a show. And it's not, it's, it's a disgrace what they're doing. Should this thing be televised or no? I I wish it had been, honestly, because, and we didn't object to it being televised because I think then the world would really understand what we're up against here. I know yeah. for me in particular, I thoroughly enjoyed taking down Michael Cohen. I wish that was televised. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made a lot of good ratings, but, yeah. um, you know, they didn't have that. Because so. I'm reading the best I can of the, the people live tweeting it, and it's like a screenplay. And I'm like, oh, right. like I wish I could, like, I want to see the intonations and everything. Uh, for instance, the judge says yeah. uh, to the lawyer, can you control your client? This is not a political rally. And the other lawyer says, you're in control. You're in control of the courtroom, not me. Tell me about those, because there were a bunch of those moments. What were those like? Um, tense. You know, the president was trying to testify uh, fully and accurately and, frankly, finally got the opportunity to explain on the stand under oath how ridiculous this whole thing is, how they're just not understanding basic principles of real estate. And you put a lawyer who works for the government up against a 50 plus year real estate tycoon and they're going to try and grill him on the ins and outs of loan documents, banking and real estate. And it's just not going to go well. Um, Unfortunately, when the judge saw that, he would cut him off. You know, when things weren't going his way, he would cut him off and say, oh, you're not allowed to answer that way. Well, I stood up and said, you have to hear what he has to say. You cannot continue to cut my client off. And he said, I'm not here to hear what he has to say. I think that was the most telling of all things that happened with the judge yesterday. Yeah, here's the quote that someone made. Uh, I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Just what he said. He's here to answer questions. So is that the judge's point that he's going on these tirades as opposed to staying on topic and answering questions? They were 100% on topic. He didn't like that he was explaining them away. So he would cut them off. That's exactly what happened. I mean, I was there. It was not a different topic. It was on topic. They put up a thing about 40 wall. He spoke about 40 wall. You want to talk about Mar-a-Lago? Let's talk about Mar-a-Lago. And he would explain how developers work, how you can change zoning, how you can work through things. So just because you got denied a zoning right, for instance, doesn't mean that you can't then exchange something for something else down the road or go appeal. They just don't understand basics. And I don't blame them. You know, again, they're, they're, they're AG attorneys, you know, um, their exposure to real life is, is limited, but it is what it is. They just, they just didn't really think it through. And the judge was definitely assisting them in making their case by quieting my client. Yeah. Uh, Trump says it's a nice compliment of assets. It's a great statement. It's a lot of cash. The banks came to me. They wanted to make deals with me. And the judge said, stricken, stricken. <laughs> You're like, what can the judge yes, just exactly. come in here and strike it himself? 
No, he just doesn't like any testimony that goes to positive facts for the Trump organization. His mind was set before we walked into the courtroom. Do we lose Alina? Just frankly, I'm here. Sorry, sorry. We missed Um, you a little bit there. It's okay. So, yeah, I mean, don't forget, this was decided on summary judgment before we even walked in the court. That tells you how ridiculous this is, before he even heard a witness. Yeah, what does that mean? Explain for us non-lawyers. So, liability, meaning that you're guilty, for lack of a better word, in a civil proceeding, that you are committed the fraud, was already decided before we had a trial. He determined it based on his own interpretation. That's where that 18 million Mar-a-Lago thing is. He said 18 million for Mar-a-Lago. They put whatever, 200 million. They are frauds. 18 million is tax assessed value. You know, he didn't even give us an opportunity to explain it. He just wanted to find us guilty so fast that he moved on the papers, which means you have no question of fact at all. You know, there's fraud. That's how insane this is. We're really not there to try and win. We've already lost. We're now just trying to explain to the judge how wrong he was, but he doesn't want to hear it. Oh, wow. What kind of what kind of penalty could they give Donald Trump? In the worst case, what they're asking for is disgorgement of profits in the sum of two hundred and fifty million dollars. Wow. Um, Imagine a quarter of a billion dollars for what? And uh, to dissolve the Trump Organization and corporation. So it no longer exists in New York. That's the thing. What about like Trump Towers? Like what would happen to Trump Tower? You know, the question is up in the air. They would love to see the Trumps go away, which is crazy considering that they've done so much for the state of New York. They've changed the skyline for the state of New York. They employ thousands of people in the state of New York and pay hundreds of millions of dollars in tax pay or payroll tax. You know, Um, Trump was a hero in New York, one of the most beloved people in in New York history. Truly, like in every way. Everyone loved Trump. Um, have any banks That's correct, but they don't love his politics, so they come after him. And have his any family. banks criticized Trump in 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 the process no. of this trial? No, the banks have been paid in full. Our insurance carrier is the same insurance carrier we had before. Um, it's it's really uncanny. They're just picking up and fighting for the big guys, which is not what the AG is supposed to do. Deutsche Bank. These are sophisticated bankers. They're paid in full. The loans are paid off. The loans were paid with interest. They made money. Um, there was truly no victim here. So what's the argument of harm, that they could have made more money? I'm not sure, because when you pay the loans off and you don't default, that's not an issue. So it's like a hypothetical issue yeah. that they would have had a worse rate. I'm not sure, but there's no crime. There's no harm. And everyone made money, in fact. And their pay- loans got paid off early. So I'm not sure where she's coming from other than politics, to be honest. Yeah, they, but, they, but, if they, but if he was true with his asset worth, they would have higher rates and they would have made more, so therefore Trump stole money from the banks. Is that, is that, the, is that the hypothetical reason No, here? because if you actually look at the numbers, Trump's values, some of them were so low. You know, you look at actual sale numbers. OPO, for instance, was actually a lot higher. Um, she doesn't understand that. And statements of financial conditions are compilation reports with a disclaimer the size of Texas on the front. And these banks are not going to take these reports and take them for what they are. They don't. They, they, they take the reports. They go do their own due diligence. Anybody that's ever taken a loan out knows this. 
They do their own investigation, their own values, their own research, and that's how it goes. And if they don't want to, they take a personal guarantee, and the personal guarantee is based on cash in the bank, which he has a lot of. So, so um, look, you're asking me great questions for someone with common sense, but the judge isn't interested in common sense. Letitia James is not interested in the real story. This is a sideshow for her politics. That's it. She ran on getting Trump. Yeah, That's what we're dealing with. You said the judge slammed the table? Yes, twice. What, what kind of? What kind of? Yeah. What is that? Who does that? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Maybe you should ask his talk. I don't know. I don't know. He had like an outburst. I'm not sure. But I've <laughs> never. I don't really. I don't receive behavior like that. Well, it doesn't matter where you are. It's a weird. It's weird for a judge. Um, last question for you, uh, Alina. Thank you for your time. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Call wrote an article in the Atlantic. Uh, he said, "What the 2024 election is really about for Trump supporters." So these people, they're, they're just baffled, and then they always land on something like, oh, Trump supporters are bigots. But they're trying to understand Trump supporters, uh, Lena. And mm-hmm. uh, he said that uh, the Trump supporters are all about revenge. Do you think that's, that's what so is motivating inaccurate. Donald Trump, revenge? No, no. It's about reform. I think it's about going back to our country. This this is not – tell me one person that looks at their life right now and think it's, thinks it's better. There's – incredible hate in this country that is permeated and they'd like to blame trump but they're educating our children much like uh, third world countries and indoctrinating our children and when you start at that age what do you expect you've got this gen x you know group of people that are um, outraged on campuses hurting other people that's not the way america is that's third world world stuff and and i think that the trump supporters actually tend to be some of the most constitutionally sound people and supporters of tolerance, but not tolerance for attacks on someone who doesn't deserve it. You know, just because we're not wimps doesn't make us revengeful or vengeful. We're not that person. That's, that's not how I would describe the MAGA world. Um, you know, they're country, American-loving, God-loving, and sometimes gun-loving people, but they most certainly love this country. And I think that the left-wing, radical left-wing people in this country right now don't. Uh, so what do you think is motivating Letitia James? Politics. Fame. How often do you talk to Politics Donald Trump? Every day. <laughs> yeah, it could be a long time. Every day, almost every day. I feel like yeah. you guys got a lot of work, a lot of work to do. Uh, last we time, have I'll, a lot I'll of you, work. He's I'll leave you in this. What's the timeline yeah, for this? How, how long should we be thinking about? And are you his lawyer for all the trials or just this one? I'm his general counsel, so I oversee the legal um, for, you know, basically all legal. And then I'm his spokeswoman as well. I'm that's in, pretty wild. Like, I represent him individually on some trials, yes. So we have the president of the United States, historic, like all these trials, and you're the person, you're the general legal counsel for all of that to coordinate and make sense of it all. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's how you know I would mean? say it. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I, I see it as a privilege. Um, you know, I take my job very seriously. I take my spokeswoman job very seriously. I think that both are incredibly important when you represent Donald Trump, when you represent any client that has a voice in the media. Um, I think that the media, as he says, has been one of our biggest impediments, but also one of our biggest tools. And even though the media is not necessarily covering everything the right way, um, you guys did a great job, obviously, with your article, and that was helpful and, and really exposed things. But 
a lot of the media doesn't want to do that because they're afraid. And if the media can't be honest, who can? So at least I get to have that voice for him when he can't. Yeah, I'm glad you're the one doing it. Wonderful. Alina Abba, uh, Trump's thank general you. counsel and, and spokesperson. Wonderful. Alina, let's talk again. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Have a great day. I'm American made. I got American parts. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Of course, we'll give you all the election results on tomorrow's show. Spread the word.